Hey, Prime members, you can listen to the Al Franken podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. This podcast is supported by FedEx. FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns, and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. With FedEx, you get picture-proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. So, what are you waiting for? See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. Hey, everybody. We got a best of today. As you know, that means it's a great one. Singer, songwriter, guitarist John Mayer is my guest. Now, we recorded this back in January of 2020 in Mexico with Dead & Company. John had started playing with them in 2015, and John and I discuss his approach to being the lead guitarist for the Grateful Dead when you are, of course, stepping into the shoes of an icon, Jerry Garcia, who passed in 1995. Jerry and I were friends. Tom Davis and I were huge deadheads. I still am. And when they came to play on SNL in 1978, we made sure that they got to know us and we got to know them. And actually, um, uh, Tom and I opened uh, for them a couple of times in 1980. And if you want to go to YouTube, you can find Franken and Davis opening for the Grateful Dead at Radio City Music Hall. It's about eight minutes. And I can tell you, I think it's, 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 it's pretty, pretty funny. Now, in this podcast, John and I talk about his approach to playing with Dead and Company. And one of the things you may know is that Jerry wrote a lot of the Dead catalog. He and Robert Hunter, who wrote the lyrics when, when they wrote together, he also uh, did some lyrics for Bob Weir's songs. But Jerry's songs, uh, you may, if you're a deadhead, you know Althea and Bertha, Broke Down Palace, Casey Jones, Ripple, Scarlet Begonias. And of course, we wrote playing it in the band and looks like rain and Mexicali blues. So, but Jerry wrote the hooks or played the hooks and or invented the hooks for these songs. And all of these songs, the hooks are really, really important. And John uh, and I discuss, John Mayer and I discuss these hooks and he sings all the hooks. Uh, or not every hook, he, he sings a lot of these hooks. And what was interesting about it is when, when we did the interview, he said, whoa, 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 whoa. May, I want to make sure I'm in the right key for this hook. John is a remarkable guitarist. He has had a uh, tremendous solo career before the dead, of course, but uh, he talks about how much he likes not being the front man how he loves being part of a band, particularly this band. And I just saw them a few weeks ago in Ithaca at Cornell, a great show, as far as I'm concerned, is their best tour, Dead & Company. This is their last tour, Dead & Company's last tour, uh, so they say. And they end up in San Francisco in mid-July, and I will be there. So really enjoy this one. (laughs) Uh, And I know you will. You know. For a change. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. 
living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way, and that's with Babbel. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's convenient courses have helped me learn real-life conversation in German. For example, let's say you wanted to order soup with your dinner. Die Suppe würde mir auch gefallen. That means the soup. <laughs> that, means, that means I would also like the soup. And that way, I get soup with dinner. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash franken. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash franken, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash franken. Rules and restrictions may apply. If you're constantly on the hunt for a good deal, then you need Rakuten. Rakuten is the smartest way to save money when you shop because members get cash back at over 3,500 stores across every category, including fashion, beauty, electronics, home essentials, traveling, dining, and more. You're already shopping at your favorite stores. Why not save while you're doing it? It's a no-brainer. Get the Rakuten app now and join the 17 million members who are already saving. Cashback rates change daily. See Rakuten.com for details. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Your cash back really adds up. I met you at Fairly Well. That's the first time I set eyes on John Mayer. And it's the first time I heard your name. Oh, so that's cool. I do not know. I'm a deadhead. Mm -hmm. As far as music is concerned, I'm a little stuck. A little stuck. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, Stones, Clapton... Some blues, so there, mm -hmm. there's blues where it merges with rock for you. You know, you're, uh, that's what it sounds like you're saying. Yeah, but you know, yeah, I mean, Howlin' Wolf. Okay, that's blues. You know, BB King, who I love, never sang while playing. While playing, he would sing and then play and then sing and then play. Yep. Now that's funny to me. Now it's not funny. I mean, it's just. Um, you sing and play at the same time. I sing and play at the same time. When I was growing up, I made that a point to learn how to sort of separate my brain in a way that my hands could go at the same time as my voice. And they do. Yeah, that's they, they, <laughs> <laughs> very, very, very much Glick. So. And they do. Yeah, very much so. <laughs> very much so. Yeah, I liked the, I liked the idea. Well, because when I was growing up, it was just me in a room playing. And it was all about... How can you... So you were a kid with a guitar. I was a kid with a guitar, and I knew I was just one person. But isn't that more or less how most people start, or do they start with a family band? No, they, no longer. <laughs> no, mean, now, now people go their whole career alone. So Ed Sheeran's on stage alone. But now there's this thing where, like, you'll listen to a band, and you'll realize that band is just one guy who's done it all in his room. Okay, so the reason I did not know you, uh, and who you are, when I met you, the day I met you, and you were at uh, Soldier's Field in Chicago for the Fairly Well concerts. And Bob Weir introduced you. Let's talk about the people who went, John Mayer, mm -hmm. he's like a pop singer. He can't fill in for Jerry. What the fuck is that? Mm -hmm. So let me ask you, you when, what was the first you, of you listening to the dead where you went like, 
Holy shit. It was Althea. And it's sort of like well documented. I was, I had some like Neil Young Pandora on or something. And, um, and I heard Althea from maybe like live without a net or something. And I just, my heard, favorite Althea is Nassau Coliseum live at Nassau Coliseum. Do you know that one? I don't, I don't know the Althea's by date. I just know when I hear a good one. You know what I should do? I should stop this at one point. And I'll play you his his solo at the end for that Althea. And I had written a book and I was promoting it on the Dead Twenty Three channel. Mm-hmm. And I did phone interviews with Mickey and Billy and Bobby mm-hmm. at the time. And I said to Mickey, "Why don't? Why didn't you just always do that from then on?" Because this to me was the most hair raising Althea. And Mickey said, well, that's just completely, you know, the opposite of who we are. I mean, mm-hmm. that is antithetical to everything we do. It's mm-hmm. all about capturing lightning in the bottle. That's not what we do. I, 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 next time I'm on with Billy, he says, no, 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 we don't do that. Um, that that's just absolutely against our It's our catch thing. and release. Okay. I talked to Bobby, and Bobby said, it was not for want of trying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I went like, "Oh, you did listen to it and did go, let's do that again," and you couldn't. That's what he said, and he confirmed that. That's what he said. I learned something very interesting and valuable when I first started playing with these guys. I had thought the sound of the Grateful Dead was uh, a self-aware invention mm-hmm. that they had reached because they had the idea to sound like that. And then when I got to really know these guys and play with them, I realized that the sound of the Grateful Dead is some misinterpretation in the attempt to sound exactly like Wilson Pickett or exactly like, you know, Texas Playboys or exactly like whatever the muse was for whatever song they had. And I was blown away by that because where they did end up to me is far more sophisticated on a musical level. So it was, is that what you were doing at like when you were first? Uh, I thought with them? that they you were, were kind with of me. going like, okay, this one I'm sound like this and this one I sound like I that. thought it was completely intentional to create this nebulous thing. And then I learned that the more I get to know these guys and talk and play, the intention is to be uh perfect. And what they end up with is something far more sophisticated than the success of being perfect, which is some other brand of interpretation. Their aspiration, I think, has always been to be on the same level as everyone they've ever looked up to artistically. And whatever the magic is that went into these these guys misinterpreting or when they all got together i'm really calling are you laughing because it sounds like like i'm I'm pulling a punch no it sounds like them to me it sounds very much like but it also sounds funny to me because it does sound like a failure to do well maybe it is maybe it is like maybe maybe they went for the moon and they missed and discovered a new planet and that's oh man you know Sorry, I work in metaphors, Al. This is how it's going to oh, be. Oh, no. But really, I mean, this is... Okay, they, they, in they, 1973, that would have been I, something I would have said to somebody. Okay. I think it was an effective metaphor. And I'm the first person <laughs> to shoot a hole through my own metaphors, and I thought that was effective. I'm well, standing up did. for it. You just did. So, anyway, I was blown away by that, that, that I think they all had in mind this 
this concept, this outline for what they were trying to go for. And then the, the, the tide carried them out to some other place. And I think that's why when you go up to Bob sometimes and you go, that was incredible. He has a different take on it because of his intention was de- his intention. Well, was last different. night you did the best wheel I've ever cool. heard. I love the wheel and I love Jerry's pedal steel in the way too. Jerry stopped paying, playing pedal steel because he said he wasn't good enough pedal steel. Pedal steel is a fascinating instrument because it is really like flying a helicopter, but it's been done traditionally. But it's like, like by people a weather in a, helicopter. No, or I mean, like it's, a it's you're doing. <laughs> this requires a working knowledge of helicopters. Oh, okay. I don't have it. Okay, but knees. And feet and hands and elbows and fingers. I mean, your knees are involved in it. You're you're yep. working all sorts of pedals. That's the pedals. Well, I think. And then I, you're you're moving your knee laterally to move a pitch bender just for one of the strings. And so, it's always fascinated me that the pedal steel is one of the most complex instruments, but was always played on the front porch of these sort of lower kind of class places. In the South and in in the West, you'd have these people who go, I don't know nothing from nothing. But then they would sit down and play the pedal steel magically. That always blew me away. The guitar is somewhat of a dummy's instrument. Pedal steel is not a dummy's instrument. It's kind of like Neanderthal pedal steel. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the guitar is like... The guitar, to me, it it moves around. Well, the thing about the guitar is that whatever thing... I'm talking to a guitar player who believes what he does... Is Neanderthal something else? Well, maybe. Maybe compared to the pedal steel, yes. Well, anyway, Jerry stopped playing it because he thought, I'm not good enough at this. This is ridiculous. I shouldn't do this. And uh, people, some, most deadheads know that he played uh, pedal steel on Teach, mm-hmm. which is, isn't it beautiful? It's beautiful. It's, it's world-class playing, too. You could have called any session guy and he wouldn't have played as well. No. Oh, that's one of the first things I learned from listening to Tales from the Golden Road was that that was Jerry playing on Teach, teach Your Children. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and they're hooks he's playing. He, you can sing along to those. Okay, let's talk about hooks. <laughs> <laughs> because I would think that a big part of your transitioning to the... Now I'm playing for the dead. Now I'm, now I'm filling Jerry's shoes, though I can't. But I'm... That's... There's... So many, there's a rhythm guitarist, that's Bobby. <laughs> there's a lead guitarist, that was Jerry, and now it's me. And there's this body of songs, this body of works of song. How much of each song is a hook? And how much do you go like, okay, well, I play that. That's a hook. Yes. I play that. Yes. And um, this is actually kind of a hook uh-huh. because it goes between these two hooks. I do I do as many of those as I can. Mm-hmm. And then there's another hook. So you, know, you could look at something like uh, Ramble on Rose. Mm-hmm. You know the hook is... Can't not play that. Right. <laughs> right? And, and, Right? And, and, Why would people be mad? Right. <laughs> but that's not up for interpretation. And then you've got, you know, 
did you say your name was Rambo? That's a yep. You know, zero down easy, That's a hook, you know. And there's the vocal hooks, of course, but then there's another hook, which is like the intention. Uh-huh. And every song has a different intention that has to be played. So mm-hmm. there's a thing inside of Ramble on Rose. Rose is sort of a Charleston thing. So you can't just blow on on that song any way you want. You have yeah. to play it with that mo. Okay. Hell in a bucket. The intention of hell in a bucket is chaos. I don't mm-hmm. even know that I've discussed this with Bob, and I don't know if it annoys him or not that I play like a banshee on hell hell in a bucket. Would it help if I told him? Could you break it to him? Yes. That hell in a bucket's always going to be. You know, what? I think I'm going to serve a very positive role here this week. <laughs> Arbitrator. Bobby. Bobby. Just to let you know, I had a conversation with John. So so Hell in a Bucket is, you're really going to hell with this song. You're trying to take the solo to so many RPMs that it just makes people crazy. Well, that's a whole different thing. Oh, that makes perfect sense. Right? We're going to Hell in a Bucket. You want to talk to him about it? No. (laughs) But every time I heard Jerry play on it, I went, oh, he's really giving it this chaos on the guitar. That I've always tried to put in it now. You, you can play as much as you want, and you should play as much as you want on Hell in a Bucket, because that's the trip. Ah, you're, you're kind of holding on for dear life. And then you get into, like, uh, Standing on the Moon, and you mm. better think about nothing but Jerry being on the moon when you play that song. That is that was the only thing you better think about when night. you're thinking. That was gorgeous. Only we all went into it, yeah, right. and so that was, that was, that yeah. was it last night. Okay, in a solo. Mm-hmm. Again, in a solo, you've got to you've got to make some. You, you've thought this through. Yes, I've thought it through enough now that I don't have to think about it all that oh, much. I had to play for several years in this band to finally get to the core of what I wanted to do on the guitar. I noticed. Did you? <laughs> well, that's a nasty thing. To no, say. it's okay. No, but I actually have noticed. Uh, a uh, evolution, yeah. And it, it, it had and, to get and sweeter. That I enjoy more. Thank you, thank you. It had that? To, yeah, thank you. It it had to get sweeter. <laughs> but that was a shitty thing. No, to it's say. not a shitty thing to say. Well, it was meant to be. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you missed the mark. Sorry, I'm so uh, self-effacing. No, but it, look, this was always to me, and always is going to be a process in trying to to get the right balance so that I can get the right sound out of the guitar so that I can get the right feeling out all this stuff. And, and there's no other way to get to now than to do your best for every show and try to find your, your space. And I think at the beginning, there was a lot of flapping my wings to stay airborne, like a lot of flapping my wings. And the person I am at home, I've always thought of it like this. Like when I'm home thinking about the guitar, Oh my God, I'm the best guitar player in the galaxy. Whatever happens in between the time where you leave your house and you begin to play on stage in front of people, <laughs> yeah. you have your entire reality changed. Uh-huh. 
And what's handed to you is some different kind of, come on, come on, come on. Everyone's watching. Let's not, let's make them happy. Let's make them happy. Let's produce for them. Let's make them. And your whole spirit changes. And what you end up doing is. And then you go back and you listen to it and I'll be in the car and I'll hear what sounds like Dan Company. And I'll go, oh no, I think I remember this one. And I'll hear myself for a second go. And I go, stay there. I can, I, I, but I remember that I didn't. Uh-huh. So I'm, I'm, I'll remember everything I played if you play me back the song. I'll know exactly now, what I don't think that everybody who plays the guitar, and, and it depends which podcast you're listening to. If you're listening to the one on, on 23, there are probably a lot of people who play the guitar. Mm-hmm. A bit not, not even a uh, large plurality of them say, I am the best guitar player in the world. Correct. While they're I don't say that. That's I thought you were just saying that. I think to my, but no, 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 no. <laughs> but I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. No, uh, one yes, they do. Yes, they do. Okay. When you're home okay. with a guitar in your lap, yes, and you're thinking in terms of music, and you're just connected to it, and there's no outside influence, your heart rate is resting. There are times you feel, and I think every guitar player has felt, oh, I can fly. Something happens when you get to the gig, and it's. There's thousands of bodies in front of you. For some people, hundreds of bodies in front of you. Some people, dozens of bodies in front of you. Time changes. Your whole intentions get whipped around. The wind just moves everything around. And now you're going, where is it? Where, where is the thing I had? Okay, but I bet you there are as many or some or a certain percentage of uh, where it's the opposite. They get in front of that crowd and they can feel the crowd. And they're feeling like, fuck, this is great not not it wouldn't happen with this music or this band really too many crosswinds there's so much crosswind going on you have to listen to what each person is playing you because that's what's happening out in the crowd is a sort of ease well they're going like this is the greatest thing up there for me it is a constant low-grade deliberation (laughs) process <laughs> you know what the great for dead is, man. They're just up there and they are just, you know, feeling it, playing it, and they're just flying. Yeah. And that's how I feel down here. So that's what they must be thinking. On a good day, yes. Okay. Well, that's different. No, what you're right. On a great day, yes. Um, I do think that. What, what is great about playing an instrument is when you're alone at home, if you're playing in front of the mirror, you are allowed to say, I, don't, I, I, I just am in love with what I'm doing right now. I just am having such a blast. My ideas are coursing through my veins. And when you get up there and you have five other instrumentalists who have had five separate days, five separate days in one day, you've got six people coming from six different starts to their day, six different ideas, six different uh, fitful sleeps or not fitful sleep you get up there and then you also have thousands of people going come on you will find that you you have to reestablish what it feels like to be a musician up there and that takes years okay, that took me years what if you're doing a solo again what if you're doing there's already kind of a conversion that's taken place before they've walked in the room there's like a they're, they're already into what you're doing they're there because they found something you did on a record exciting enough to want to come people see people aren't walking into it Den Company concert, same way. Yeah, but it's up, but it's a different role for me. I'm not, I'm a part of it. I'm not it. I have to always 
just contribute. I'm only ever contributing. And the thing I want to contribute has 0.000% to do with my ego, my image, how I'm thought about, how I'm felt. My only, well, it's good, I mean, that's, oh, it's that's, amazing. That's the only it's the, thing the you only can do. thing I'm thinking about is because getting, if you're doing the other thing. <laughs> no. And maybe I in the first you. few years you could hear that or something. I had to knock that out of me. Okay. Okay, this is Al. This is me. I'm in the studio now. Uh, at this point, John figured out that we weren't recording on the uh, the proper device. And uh, so when we come back, you will, uh, the good sound will be back. The good sound will be back. And uh, when we pick up, I'll be talking about myself. What if everyone at work were an expert communicator? What if every doc, message, and email they wrote was perfectly clear and concise? Inbox numbers would drop, customer satisfaction scores would rise, and everyone would be more productive. That's what happens when you give Grammarly to your entire team. Grammarly is a secure AI writing partner that understands your business and can transform it through better communication. Companies that use Grammarly save an average of 19 days per employee per year. That's because with Grammarly's AI, what used to take a few hours only takes a few clicks, like generating an instant first draft in your company voice or tailoring a message to your specific audience and goals. And Grammarly's personalized on-brand writing help is built in everywhere your team works, across 500,000 apps and websites. Plus, it's safe, secure, and already IT-approved. Join 70,000 teams who trust Grammarly with their words and their data. Learn more at Grammarly.com. Grammarly. Easier said, done. Do you ever feel like you're settling? For your foundation, that is. Maybelline's new Instant Age Rewind Eraser Foundation doesn't settle into fine lines and wrinkles. With SPF 20 and moisturizing pro-vitamin B5, this foundation not only provides medium coverage and a natural finish, but also protects and nourishes your skin. And the best part? The blurring sponge tip applicator makes application a breeze. Say goodbye to cakey, uneven foundation, and hello to a flawless, radiant complexion. Try our new foundation today and see the difference for yourself at Amazon.com slash Instant Eraser Foundation. We're back, and uh, we're going to rejoin uh, my conversation with John Mayer. And, and uh, I'm talking about myself uh, when, when you come back, so... That happens. And speaking of myself, I'm going to be on uh, Jimmy Kimmel on uh, Tuesday, uh, February 4th. So that's going to be the night of the State of the Union address. And I think we're starting the taping a little late so I can watch that. And it'll be the also the evening, uh, night after uh, the Iowa caucuses. And I don't know exactly where the impeachment will be there. So we'll have I'll have a lot to talk about on, on Jimmy's show. Anyway, let's uh, let's go back with John Mayer. I'm there. I've been uh, in the center for a week or two. Harry asked me up, give it to talk, right? Give it uh, to talk to the caucus at lunch. Do it. Huge applause. I come back to my seat at my table. I'm sitting next to Diane Feinstein. She's standing. She says to me, you know, when you first came here, I thought you were going to be stupid. And I said, um, Why? Well, isn't that analogous, real quick, I don't mean to cut you off, but isn't that analogous to when I first heard you were joining Dead and Company, I thought you were going to be stupid? No. thought it was going to sound stupid? 
No, I thought like, I don't know, John Mayer. I didn't even have any reason to believe you would sound stupid. I didn't know anything about it. I actually, when Bobby introduced me to you, I went, okay, it must make sense. Well, that's, that's, you were actually much further down the line than people who had, you know, probably had a brush with me in passing on this song or that song or that gossip story or this thing. Yeah. But I, I spent my whole life being, <laughs> being um, sort of mislabeled. So by the time I got to Dead and Company, uh, and, and Deadheads are a huge, huge crowd. They make up a, a really sizable part of the country, but not as big as the tabloid media side of the country. I mean, that's a no, much that's larger like... army. So I had been tempered in the tabloid media kind of doubt. I was just used to that. So by the time I got into the dead world, I was like, I can take it. I can take it. I've been, I've, I've handled a lot more pressure. And, mm-hmm. um, and I also knew, I'll, I'm very self-aware of the way that people see me and what I've given the world or what I used to give the world to operate with. So I knew that based on what I put out and the attitude that I'd presented to the world, uh, sometimes would make people scratch their heads. But I also knew that because we had already started playing together and I started hearing the sound, I was like, okay, nobody can hear this yet because it's not there yet. But I know that. And, and, and now let's go cut to now. This Great. has been three years, five years, five fucking, okay. Five years, it's yeah. been five years. That's how long. Yeah. Okay. So it's It'll been five be years. There's none of that now. Is there or is there? No, there's none of it now. And no. I like that people, People have moved on to criticizing other elements of it or this or that or goofing on it or making memes. And I I look at it like... But I mean, of, of your playing, just, just the no, playing in the dead. The deadheads, are there deadheads who go oh, like... Oh, yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah, but I look at it more than ever like I'm an athlete playing on a team. And you are allowed to quarterback from wherever you want a quarterback and you can say, I think his throwing arm's getting weaker or I think this and that or I think that injury really... T- Oh, I think he's got no IQ when it comes to this play or that play. So, I mean, I've read things where people have thought that the blues element was too strong. And that's one of the things. I don't believe that every negative comment is hate. No, the blues element is I, is uh, is there. But I've heard, but I've heard comments. And it's different than Trey. But Trey, I think, less bluesy. But I right? think that some of the negative comments can be productive, can be constructive, I should say. So when I started seeing, like the, before the fall tour, I saw one meme that really, I wouldn't say it hurt my feelings, but I went, oh. And it had to do with the idea of me playing stock blues licks oh, over these songs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I went, <laughs> oh, okay. All right. I can adapt. I can, I can adapt to that. I promptly unfollowed the person who had posted the meme because I don't need that with breakfast. I went, okay, I'm unfollowing you, but you're right. Mm-hmm. And... Have tried. Oh, you felt they were right. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. See, I think there's something that's happening lately where everything that's n- not even negative but critical is being perceived as hate and being negated before it's ever considered. So what happens is audiences sometimes are right about something and the creator can hear it and now they go, ah, you can't make everyone happy. But I go, hold on, there's, there's, there might be something constructive in there. And you have to be strong enough to look at it and go, yeah, he's right about that. I do sometimes. Oh, that sounds too open-minded and productive. (laughs) The the idea that, okay, you know, social media has just gotten so toxic and everything's awful. Every once in a while, someone says something that is very true. Uh, But often, often people But I can parse it. But Al, you can tell in the first five words 
that oh, someone yeah. posts, whether it should be listened to or not. You you felt that it was legitimate to say, okay, he's playing too many standard blues licks or... Let me take that back onto the stage and see what I can do with that. Mm-hmm. And I thought the fall tour, and especially the two San Francisco shows around New Year's, was for me like the first time I got on stage what I was going for in my head in the car. In terms of that? What I wanted to be as a guitar player. How I wanted to express myself on the guitar. So what what, what point, how many years have you been, had you been playing? Four years of being in, we finished our fourth year of playing. I'm beginning our fifth year of playing. And I finally got where I wanted to get on the guitar tonally, intentionally. And now here's the great part about it. I played what I thought were some of my best performances of my life on those two San Francisco shows. And then I was back to playing like I didn't want to play last night. And that's really, yeah, the wind was just, the wind was so strong on stage that it was blowing the sound around Uh and it was the wind whipping against my skin was creating this kind of frenetic pace of things, even though I didn't, we're on a beach. And then, and it's gorgeous, but the wind was going against, and I'm like, oh, I'm right back to having to work again to find that place to where it's sweet and musical. Can they, can they do something on, uh, maybe a Gore-Tex on the, st- on the, st- on the stage? Can they just going to have to figure out how to play through it and how to, so that's well, why. What, I, what about putting like a, uh, a wall behind it you? It would blow so. the wall down. Oh, <laughs> maybe some Tyvek that's perforated or something. Okay, no, I but see. I mean, like. The point I'm trying to make is that even if you had one great night and you put everything together in the right order, you have to dismantle it and you have to do it again somewhere else and you have to start kind of from now, scratch. Is this, is this you or is this the dead thinking or is that? This is or- me thinking about making sure my contribution is as strong as it can be so that people can get where they want to get with the music. But in other words, are you, is this just you from you from the beginning or is if you picked this kind of up from the dead? I picked it up from the dead because, okay, that's what I want. Because this is bigger than me, which I love. It changed my life. That part of it changed my life. What do you mean by that? Before this band, I was me all the time. Mm -hmm. 100% me and everything I did, was an extension of 100% me and you are it and it is you and you're your brand and your work is you and you are your work and you represent it all everywhere you go. And that got a little bit claustrophobic for me after a while. I didn't know quite like, I'm not giving you this, this sort of rote story about fame or whatever, but I just, when you're you all the time, you start to lose a little bit of perspective. And for and, me, and maybe you lose yourself a little, <laughs> I can't tell with you. Right? <laughs> I, I didn't know what I was doing either. I, I didn't can't, know. Can't whether... quite tell. That's the thing. <laughs> but that's what comedians do. No, sometimes they you're a like, sharp. Maybe blade. you're losing a little maybe of yourself. yourself. Well, by being a celebrity, um, when it's always your party and you're always yeah. the DJ, mm-hmm. you don't quite ever get to hang out. You're always, queuing up the next song wow you know okay and for me to be just this is gold by the gold way. keep it going <laughs> for me to have to wear a laminate okay what's this one <laughs> you know i get to i walk on the stage with a laminate on oh i see i'm part of 
you know, you're um, part of something as I'm opposed part of to being of, the thing. I'm just, I just have access to the thing. And this, this is what I say now. I go, I'm not the thing. Well, thanks for, uh, uh, you know, making sure that a good 30 minutes of this was on the actual. No, you got it. You it, even, by the way, it wouldn't be dissimilar from a Grateful Dead concert recording where the tape runs out and they have to use audience the audience, for somebody from the audience have you heard this where you'll be listening to a, a version with a great tape and the tape will have run out and it switches to the audio feed the audience feed and uh -huh. then it switches back to the tape well, that's feed. what we're doing that's what we're doing here that's what we are that's what we did yep wow all righty well, i'm looking forward to it tonight i think it's going to be fun because i see i see a three show run as three chances to get where you're going the right way and haven't you found that if the second show in a three-show run is phenomenal. It changes the ultimate read on what all three shows were. Don't you feel like on a three-show run, the verdict is still out on the first show based on how the next two shows go. So you'll leave going, those were great shows. Mm -hmm. And you can somehow affect the mindset of the first show with the next two shows. That's how I look at it. Like We can still affect the average of these shows with the next two shows. Well, this is how I think about it. If I listen, if it goes shitty show, great show, good show, I leave thinking pretty good. It averages, doesn't it? If it goes great show, great show, shitty show, I leave going like that was what, shitty. That was shit. I know. If it goes. <laughs> no, you're right. You're absolutely right. Think of it quite the way you do. Well, I look at it like we're going to feed the meter on this larger thing. But I am going to a three-show run, and I thought the first one was great. Thank you. How's that? Well, you know, there's, there's how I did, and how, there's how the band did. And I'm always going to react to how I contributed. Mm -hmm. And I thought I could have been just a little bit sweeter. But, you know... These, this, these, these, these hooks we talked about, mm -hmm. they're not my inventions. Mm -hmm. And so they don't, they didn't stem from me. And so I always have Sing to. Sing me all the hooks. <laughs> Sing me all the hooks. Every hook of every song. Okay. Tennessee Jim. Eyes of the World. <laughs> I'm trying to do it in the right key. I love kicking that song. Broke off. down panels. Well, that's interesting because it starts in G. There's actually not a hook in there. It's all vocal. Ah. There's not. There's nothing happening on the guitar there that you'd go. Oh, that's broke down palace. Okay. Just, there's no guitar hook. I see. I see, I see. Uh, but but so so I have to put myself. Casey Jones. These are all in the right key, by the way. That was very good. These are all in the right pitch. You can play them. I mean, of course. Play along. Right, but um, <laughs> those, that's very I'm, good. I'm, Thank you, Al. I have, <laughs> I have to, I have to get myself into that way of thinking just a little bit. It's not costume, but it's just a little bit of because I'm not the creator of this music. Mm -hmm. I have to funnel my thinking into that way. Sugar of Magnolia. Thinking. What's that? Sugar Magnolia. Well, there's two parts on that. Bobby's part. Bobby's part is. And then it's kind of Jerry doing a pedal steel ish thing on the guitar. Which is? Well, he's kind of going. You know. 
This is good. If you don't I do like those this things, part that we've just done, I should have taken the guitar. <laughs> out. Okay, but you got to go. I have to. I'm working backwards from my my time. my leave time. You're being, you're being picked up in 40 minutes. Yeah, I gotta. But I'm 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 actually looking forward to playing for you tonight, knowing that I've mentioned a few things about the way that I think. Franklin's Tower. <laughs> The hard one to sing to someone would be Scarlet Begonias because it's almost completely an ensemble song, which blows my mind. I love, love, love Scarlet Begonias because everybody is lining up to make a part of the image that makes this beautiful image. But if you listen to each part on its own, it doesn't quite make sense until you listen to them all. So it's this one blob of sound that's so beautiful. It blew my mind when I first heard Scarlet Begonias. I came from Berkeley College of Music, where you're supposed to understand every layer you're listening to. What's the kick drum doing? What's the snare drum doing? What's the guitar doing? What's the keys doing? All of a sudden, you hear boom, bop, ba dum, dum, ba, ba, and you listen you go listen to the bass the bass is going and and bobby's going it's like everybody's taking a different part of the image but it's not the outlines aren't around the i didn't know what you're saying everybody's it's it's that to me blew my mind when I heard Scarlet Begonias. I go, I've never heard a sound like that. If you heard any, if you were to solo through each person's part on Scarlet Begonias, you go, that doesn't make any sense. You put it all together, you're like, holy God. It's the sound to me of pure happiness. Well, I, I hope you enjoyed uh, listening. That beautiful music is by Leo Kotke, the great Leo Kotke. I want to thank Peter Ogburn for producing this podcast. We'll talk again next week. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to the Al Franken podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at Wondery.com survey. The early 2000s was a wild time for reality TV. There seemed to be an endless supply of shows that delivered entertainment for us, but trauma for children. I'm Misha Brown, the host of Wondery's podcast, The Big Flop. Each week on The Big Flop, comedians join me to chronicle the biggest pop culture fails of all time and try to answer the age-old question, who thought this was a good idea? We recently looked behind the scenes of what was really going on at Abby Lee Miller's dance studio. Abby's biggest misstep wasn't screaming nonsensical catchphrases or throwing chairs on television, but instead, she was choreographing financial fraud in plain sight. Join me to break down all the wild details of Abby Lee Miller's story. Follow The Big Flop on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to The Big Flop early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Once upon a beat, remember those stories and fables that would capture your imagination and you couldn't wait to see how they would unfold? And now, when you read them as an adult, you think some of these old tales could use a fresh spin. We have a perfect podcast to bring you the stories you remember, remix, and reimagine for the kids in your life today. 
Join me, DJ Fuse, and my trusty turntable, Baby Scratch, as we spin up new tales in the new kids and family podcast, Once Upon a Beat. Wondry and Tinkercast are bringing you a jam-packed, music-filled weekly party where hip-hop and fables meet. It's Once Upon a Beat. Follow Once Upon a Beat on the Wondry app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Once Upon a Beat early and ad-free right now by joining Wondry Plus in the Wondry app or Wondry Kids Plus in Apple Podcasts. Once Upon a Beat.